Blog Talk Radio. Vicky played guitar, shining good with weather gaily, and the spiders from Mars. I asked him on the show, what did David Bowie think about David Bowie? Um, well, all right. I find that I'm a, a person who can take on the guises of, of different people that I meet. I can switch accents in, in seconds of meeting somebody, and I can adopt their accent. I've always found that I collect. I'm a collector. And I've always just seemed to collect personalities. One of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> What? Do you believe in God? Um, I believe in an energy form, but I'm not. I wouldn't uh, put. I wouldn't like to put a name to it. The cruel elegance of David Bowie. Do you indulge in any form of worship? Um. I life. I love life very much indeed. Forever. And ever. Right, who's going to call this sucker? If nobody has any objections, I believe I might be of service. Now, this will be a straight walk-off. Old school rules. First model walks, second model duplicates, then elaborates. Okay, boys, let's go to work. I was supposed to, the story, I was supposed to see him when he did the Bowie Net show in 2000. I had tickets. I, I was a member of Bowie Net. And I had tickets. And my dumb boyfriend at the time decided to plan a surprise trip to San Francisco during the concert. Oh, shit. So I gave the tickets to my best friend and her husband. And no. they got to go. I'm, and they said it was great. And I'm glad someone... Like, they're big Bowie fans, too, that someone that was a fan of Bowie and appreciated him got to go and use them, but I will never, yeah, totally. I, was, I wanted to strangle him. I was so mad. I'm like, I got free tickets to see ball, Bowie in the Roseland Ballroom, oh, a really small, intimate show. He was only doing for a select number of people, and this fucker ruined it. Ruined it with a damn vacation. Son of a bitch. And it wasn't even a fun vacation either, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, we stayed with. Went and froze my ass off. We stayed with Uncle Billy and Claire, and the idiot decided to to dye his hair purple and pink in their bathtub and ruined their bathtub. I've heard that Mm -hmm. before. But anyway, so but they had gotten they got me a poster from the show, and I have it framed back in New Jersey. My parents are going to ship it out to me. I've had it forever. And mm-hmm. never brought it out with me. It's like, it's really, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a unique item. Like, only oh, people yeah. that went to the show got it. So, bummed I missed that, but I did get to see him two other times. Like I said, the Nine Inch Nails 
Shore, mm-hmm. which is really sad because a lot of the kids were there for Nine Inch Nails and had no idea about Bowie at all. Yeah. Like, he did The Man Who Sold the World, and they're all like, oh, this is Nirvana song. Uh, and yeah. we're all just like, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. But I am glad I didn't get to see him. Yeah. The reality tour was fantastic. Yeah, I have the I have the DVD of that. Yeah. And that's house cleaning. We all know those DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like it's, the last. It's the house cleaning DVD for me. That's the last major tour he did it too, wasn't it? Yeah, that was when he had the heart attack. Yeah. He had the heart attack on the reality tour, and, then he, and that was it. He stopped playing live like around 2005. Yeah. He played a few little gigs here and there, oh. one off, but that was it. I'm yeah. thankful I got to see him then. Yeah. This is Kimmy. Hi. And this is Johnny. Yo, yo. Yo. Huge Bowie fans. We're we're doing we're doing Reifstech revisits here. Uh, you can listen to Reifstechrevisits.com, and we are doing a uh, much belated tribute to David Bowie. And in in in, in the exhaust of the Prince, <laughs> the Prince the Prince tragedy that that recently occurred and. So it's it's I mean we're dealing with all of these you know these musical celebrity deaths I mean you're an Eagles fan freaking Glenn Fry you know they're never gonna play again. If you're a nope. Beatles fan, George Martin. Yep. Yeah. Helped create the sound of the Beatles. You know, uh-huh. an integral part of their uh-huh. career. And, and he was in his 90s though, bless his heart. Yeah. It wasn't, but it's still it's so sad regardless of the age circumstances. Yeah. Not easy to uh, but the reason I wanted to get you guys is it's been um, what was I wanted to talk to people that actually grew up listening to him. We when when we did our Prince podcast, it was kids that were younger, and uh, it was really interesting the stories they were talking about. You know, hey, I was at a slumber party and we just happened to watch Purple Rain, but it was interesting to hear it from that age group. Mm-hmm. Whereas we grew up with David Bowie. Um, I mean, my first experience was watching him. There was a music video show out here called MV3, and it was with Richard Blade, David Maples, and some blonde girl that I can never remember the name of. It was like a Nina Blackwood wannabe lookalike. They they were trying to do the whole, you know, uh, Richard. It was supposed to be Richard Blade's, you know, uh, cheapo version of MTV. But all of a sudden, I see, you know, the DJ video. Oh, and yeah. I see Aladdin Sane, and he yeah. and um, uh, boys keep swinging, and I'm like, who is this guy? Jesus, this guy's just good, you know. Is he just different? All the music was very experimental back yeah, then. Yeah, that era was. Yeah. That era like, was like the Berlin era. Right yeah. Seventies. Yeah, that, yeah. That was when he got together with Brian Eno and just was, you know, they're just tweaking the knobs. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should probably have their at the time. <laughs> I'm convinced that they did. I like to think that they did anyway. Uh-huh. Alright, Johnny, we'll start with you. Um, Hi. <laughs> Enunciate, eat the mic. <laughs> Is this thing on? Yes, there you go. There you go. Uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> so, what was your first experience in your life that you can remember? Uh, what got you into David Bowie? Um, well, I really got into David Bowie when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it, uh, I was just sick of all the commercial crap on the radio. You know, you had a, 
hair metal had come and gone, and, and there was the whole grunge thing happening. Now, I'm a little younger than, than you, you two, uh, so this is, this is early 90s, mid-90s we're talking about here. Uh-huh. I was just so sick of what was happening. Was, you know, couldn't turn on the radio station without hearing complete garbage. Boy bands? Um, it was, no, it was before the end scenes in the Backstreet Boys. Oh, Jesus, even before that. It was okay. before that, but after New Kids on the Block, so it was, it was just kind of this, like, stagnant period in, mm-hmm. in commercial radio, which I don't think it's ever gotten out of, but I was looking for all these, for different avenues, uh, different music that that I could express myself by, and I, I could really enjoy listening to it. And, you know, I really got into punk rock, and I really got into, you know, artists like David Boyce, people that were, you know, out there not following the rules and the guidelines of what you were supposed to do. And uh, from there, you know, it just kind of took off. You know, you listen to, to one album, another album, and, you know, you go deeper and deeper, and, I mean, that's it. That's the, that's the end of it. You, you never look back. I mean, now it's like, thank God for that, because I don't know what the hell I would do if I never, like, seeked out and, and found, you know, his music. So you got into, so what was the first album that you heard? Uh, probably Ziggy, like, uh-huh. overall, and mm-hmm. it's still probably the best, my favorite, mm-hmm. you know, just because that's my favorite era. Uh-huh. Like, anything he did in the, in the particularly early 70s is just gold to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heavy makeup, the uh, yeah, the, the whole, yeah, the, the whole to the extreme, the whole glam thing. I mean, he showed everybody how to do it, and, uh-huh. and he got out, you know, just in time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was like him and, and Mark Bolin at, at the time, I believe. Right. And we all know Bolin, unfortunately, passed. But yeah. you know, Bowie just kind of he got out of the. He did a Diamond Dogs album. After that, it was just okay. I'm gonna grow my hair out and yeah, and slick it back and mm-hmm. never look back on the, the whole glam rock thing. And you know, I just love it though. That's that's my my favorite era of Bowie. Like, mm-hmm. You can't touch the stuff. Like really, from you know, from his beginning up until the mid '80s for me, I, I think it's all pretty much mm-hmm. gold. Pretty solid stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, the the one thing, and you can relate this to Prince as well, is I mean, the artists that stand the test of time are the ones that are the chameleons. Absolutely. They reinvent themselves over and over and over again, and even if they have an album that didn't do commercially well, I mean, most of Bowie's albums, he he didn't get commercial recognition until the '80s uh, with not you know Nile Rodgers, and he puts out Let's Dance, and then everybody went, oh, you know, wow. He's he, he's you know. Let me check out some of his other stuff. Yes. Yeah, you know, he's in the serious moonlight phase, and all the everybody gets into him, and then you know goes back, and then there were us that came, you know, came the other direction, but, I mean, he has fans in every generation uh, because of that. I mean, yeah, it's it's great that you see these gifs of Bowie and of Prince, and it's all the changing, the evolution. I mean, there's not too many groups you can say about that. Most of them keep the same look or the same sound. I mean, you know... Yeah, you have bands that have the longevity, but you know, you have to evolve with the, the times uh, mm-hmm. a little bit, and you know, you have to music without experimentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we all just stuck the same thing, music would just plateau and just never go anywhere. And right. I think that's rather boring myself. Oh yeah. And that's what Bowie did. He always changed. Like he he quoted a saying, "I never look." Behind, I was yeah. And that's why, I, but he embraced what was 
happening in that time. That's why, like, Trent Reznor was such an influence for him, because that's mm-hmm. what was relevant at that time. Uh-huh. And he embraced it, and he always just embraced what was happening currently and mm-hmm. not, like, trying to read the stories a hundred times. Yeah. And that's what made him so amazing and, mm-hmm. and intriguing, you know? Like, he wasn't afraid to, to embrace new, new technology and new sounds and Everything, you know, and that's what I think kept him relevant for so many years. Yeah. Like, look at Madonna. I know, like, Bo- Bowie did it way before Madonna, but Madonna, like, has changed her style, changed her yep. music, mm-hmm. and still remains somewhat relevant. Well, you need the instinct, I think. Bowie did this. He had the instinct to work with the right people yeah. at the right time, and he somehow, like, Carlos Alomar and uh, Tony Visconti and... He, 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 yeah. No, Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. days. Hidden Woody Woodman. Yeah, with their tribute band over at the, uh, at the Wiltern. I mean, he'd, he'd find these collaborators and just that they just would speak his, um, you know, speak his language or push him. I love these stories that are coming out now that all these artists had approached him and he was like, nope. Coldplay, like really? Cold Why the red shit? I was peppers. gonna read that. Coldplay, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, now Coldplay wrote a song, right? And and Bowie was rehearsing with them, and I guess he just flat out looked at them and said, "No, that's just not a very good song, now, is it?" Yeah, and that was the end of that. Yeah, I mean it's Coldplay. It's not gonna be a good song. But, <laughs> but God bless the man for trying. I guess thinking that you know, trying to help them out. Well, he wanted to go with artists that were pushing the envelope. You know, and they were. A Coldplay song sounds like a Coldplay song. Yeah. And then that's why, like, he said, like, you saw the Brit Awards tribute, and Lord did it. Mm-hmm. And he loved Lord. He said Lord was the future of music. Yeah. Because Lord was different. She was, yeah. you know, 17, 18, doing something so different than mm-hmm. her contemporaries. You know, she's, yeah. like, got that deep voice and very mm-hmm. serious tone and is not, like, half naked. You know, selling using her body to sell her music, and that, mm-hmm. that's why I think he appreciated her. She was unique and in yeah. her own way, and that's what he gravitated to. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to, you have to keep moving forward. You can't be, you know, strapping yourself on the people that are, as Johnny so greatly put, and I'm totally stealing this from a friend I was talking to yesterday. She called it "cup of noodles music." <laughs> pour the wa- pour the water in, stick it in the microwave, and you get the same thing every single time. Every single time. And, and it's with bland and and yeah, the sodium and just not good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 that's what iHeartRadio. Yes, I'm picking on you on another podcast again. One. <laughs> the 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 iHeartRadio, I, 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 I killed radio is what they should call themselves because yeah. they took out the personality. When you had rock radio with personality DJs, and they like your Richard, your Richard Blades, that would, yes, he's a caricature and everybody makes fun of him, but that damn guy he broke so it. many people on K-Rock back in the day. Just like Rodney. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to bring him up too, Rodney Bingenheimer, you know. Had a, had a little bit of a predilection more towards off-girl acts, but, you know, hey, <laughs> every once in a while he'd make sure he, you know, represented Bowie and represented, you know, just, yeah, new new people that were coming on the scene and, and they were pushing it. Yeah, you can't live in the past. I mean, you got you got to look forward. I mean, to me, I, I, would, I would kind of relate it to that 
the jock in high school who never got past his glory days, you know, kind of peaked in high school at mm-hmm. 17 years old as the star quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, you can relate that to music, too, to that. Like, I mean, like, nobody likes that guy. Nobody wants to hear the same story about, you know, how funny I threw five touch four touchdowns in yeah. one game. Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we know. Go on. Let's, let's get over this. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. You know, it's like exactly how music is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it never starts sounding the same. I mean, you, you listen to one, just one particular brand of style of music non-stop, you're going to get bored with it. And, I mean, I think, I mean, we all probably know a few people like that. I just don't see how people can, can do that. Yeah. Because well, I mean, they're, they're, that music is produced for a... It's a it's a different crowd. It's dumbed down for the masses. <laughs> it is. It is. It's not. I mean. I mean. Let's get into that. I mean, Bowie's lyrics and Bo- every every album had a theme to it. But right after he died, I was just like going back through the catalog. And one of the albums that really um, I related to a lot was because it was some of the first songs I heard was Lodger. Cause that's when I never, like the whole Berlin era, uh-huh. like I never really grasped onto that era. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, but there's there's some really great stuff in there. Yeah, you know? it, it's hard and, to listen to a whole album yeah, of that yeah. because there are some songs that are just way the hell out there. Yeah. And yes, I will skip through because you'll be you're like having your nice little exercise walk and all of a sudden it's like boop, 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 and you're like, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> can't 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 get your power walk on to uh, this song, but then Red Sails comes on and you go, okay, this is another you know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. up upbeat more uh, more. Uh, Absolutely. You know. All right. I want to say the boys are important. Probably a soccer team. Yeah, probably. probably Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Kimmy, yes. tell us your Bowie story. Your first experiences in your life with Bowie? Well, mine's considerably different than his. Um, I remember um, my parents had Let's Dance on vinyl. Like, that was my first, my first exposure was during the 80s, like early 80s during Let's Dance. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing Modern Love on the radio, like, all the time. And, you know, it was like Modern Love, China Girl, you know, Let's Dance. Like, I remember all of that, and that was when I was, I always, I remember seeing my mom's car one day and hearing Modern Love on the radio and singing along to it. So I just remember all of that. But I was like eight. I was, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That was my first, like, exposure to it. Mm-hmm. And then, the big thing that happened, and I always consider this like, it was literally like a life-changing event, mm-hmm. is when I saw the movie called The Goldmine. Oh, yeah. Which I know we've talked about, but The Goldmine before. Although it is not Bowie's life, mm-hmm. and Bowie never signed off on it, mm-hmm. but it was basically Bowie's life story. Yeah. Very, a, a 70s life story, mm-hmm. the glam era. Yeah. And I was kind of at the end of my goth phase, mm-hmm. like my hardcore goth phase, mm-hmm. and that movie just, oh my god, like, I just opened my eyes to the new world, like, and that was kind of like when there was like that mini glam resurgence in the late yeah. 90s, yeah. and I was totally caught up in that, mm-hmm. and that is when I really dug into the Ziggy Stardust era 
a lot of things. You know, I went out, I bought, and that was around the time, too, that they basically reissued his entire catalog. Yeah, I remember. Ryko just yeah. got a hold of him, yeah. And I bought every single one of them. I had every single one of them. So I really <laughs> dug in and just really got into him on a whole another level. Like, every era, you know, especially, like, like Johnny was saying, especially the Ziggy Startup era, that will always be my favorite because I've always been a fan of androgynous men and men that wear makeup and just have that that look about them and that attitude and that that is what really got me. I was like enthralled. I'm like, oh my God, he's just beautiful and, mm-hmm. and weird and, and just sexy and just everything, you know, and the music just, you know, I, I listened to those albums nonstop, like mm-hmm. constantly for probably about two years. Like mm-hmm. that's all I was to do with David Bowie and I had shirts and posters and like I just became obsessed in like that late 90s mm-hmm. resurgence and it just stuck like it's not it wasn't just like a passing thing it stuck and I you know became you know aware of what he was doing at that time and like I said that like like I was in college in the, in the mid 90s and I was aware of what he was doing with Trent Reznor and you know I'm afraid of Americans and all that stuff and I was really aware of that and really into that as well but I had never explored him in his earlier years. I was kind of into him at that current time. And it was just as great, that that era was just as great, oh, you yeah. know. And, um, but then that late 90s, I went back and, and just rediscovered you know, discovered him on a whole other level and have mm-hmm. stuck with it ever since. You know? Well, it was, that time in the, was great because Velvet Goldmine brought him back onto the scene. And then, and, and then they kept building and building and, you know, he was like the elder statesman, mm-hmm. is what he became to artists. Yeah, and that's why he, you know, got it, on, got it together with uh, Trent Reznor. And, I mean, that's why I saw him on the strangest tour. I was lucky enough to see him. It was um, the uh, famous cover of Entertainment Weekly with Moby and Bowie. Oh, I remember that. And the whole story. And I remember hearing the story, and I'm like, this can't be true, this can't be true. And then... The story comes out in Entertainment Weekly that Bowie's going to open up for Moby on the tour, and Bowie's whole thinking was, it was what happened with Nine Inch Nails, he had that experience and was like, look, you know, this isn't, I, I need to be the opening act, because if I'm the headliner... Nobody, everybody's going to leave. Yeah. Everybody's going to come see Moby, and they're going to leave of this generation. Yeah. He wanted to, he was like, you know, let them, uh, let me be the, let me be the up-and-coming act. Yeah, it was kind of like at a, my new, age. a new generation was discovering yeah. him. And yeah. it was, and they were discovering him in that moment. They were discovering mm-hmm. Earthling, you know, yes. they were discovering, you know, outside. Outside, outside season. Right, they were discovering that whole mm-hmm. era where, you know, that was, I was, I was in that boat, I'm not going to lie, I was in that boat. I was, like I said, I had been mm-hmm. first exposed to him in, during my stand mm-hmm. and when I was a kid, and then mm-hmm. during my college years, I was exposed uh-huh. to, I, I bought outside. I had outside. I had Earthling. Like, See, I had I'll be honest. I was coasting during that period. I was. Like, When's he going on another tour? Come on, get your right. ass back out here and do another right. tour. And I was busy, you know, with jobs and college, and so I was. When he played the gig, well, I was working at Variety at the time. So when I had access to tickets, I'm like, shit, yeah, I'm gonna go see David Bowie open up for Moby. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Truck all the way down to Irvine, and sure enough, he comes out and. 
you know, he's got his old ragtag band, yeah, and it was Heathen was the album that yeah, he was backing that was on like that 2000, one. 2000, I think is when he was. Yeah, and he he just comes out and he you know, plays his stuff, and it, it didn't get the hugest reaction, you know, from a diehard who's playing the old stuff, but the newer stuff would get kind of a lukewarm, and but he was he he was he was in good spirits, he was happy about it. Yeah, he was. I I read an interview or read a piece about that that, mm-hmm. and then on this one he was like, I'm gonna do it my way, and if you don't like it, mm-hmm. I don't have to. Yeah. You know, because he learned. And at that time, like, Trent, I guess, was really heavy into drugs and, and whatnot. And Trent said, like, he helped me get clean. Like, Trent, like, since David Bowie, mm-hmm. pointed, David Bowie having gone through that yeah. phase as well, you know, yeah. he said, David Bowie saved my life. He said, mm-hmm. you know, because David Bowie was like, you got to get yourself together, man. Yeah. You know? And, um, but like I said, like, that era, I was like, Still goth industrial girl, so I was turned mm-hmm. on to what he was doing at that point, like mm-hmm. outside in Earth Language. It had that trend, mm-hmm. it was so heavy into that, but then, like I said, late 90s, mm-hmm. I went back and just rediscovered him on a completely different level, yeah. and it's just he's been one of my idols and icons ever since. And yeah. I said, that's why, you know, I was actually talking about it with my mother on the phone this morning because we were talking about Prince, and I said, you know, Prince's death didn't hit me. Like Bowie did, because Bowie was like an idol, an icon to me. Like he changed, he did change my life at that era, that time period. Like you know, it was such a huge shift in who I was and what I was into and my view on life at that point. You know, that's why I'm like I cried for three days when he died, and it just it just and I said I was saying as well like Prince's death has reopened all those wounds for me because mm-hmm. you know reminding me that we lost an icon. You know. I went through so much with Bowie not too long ago that, that with the whole Prince thing, it's strange. People are like, you're not like super sad about it. Like yeah, so many people here. are. And I said, I'm fucking numb. Yeah, that maybe that's I'm what it is. I'm numb. Because I haven't cried a tear mm. over Prince and I thought I would be like beside myself. When I was watching Saturday Night Live last night, and watching the energy he had, yeah. and I was in the privacy of my own living yeah. room, I had some moments, yeah. and it was because of that. But otherwise, I'm over at uh, the club night here, over at, you know, Bruce Purdue spinning him, and I'm over here at, uh, you know, over on Cherokee, over at Bordner's here in Hollywood, and I was just, I was celebrating. Yeah. I was loving life. Everybody was. Everybody was in good spirit. Mm-hmm. It was like nobody was sad. That's, that's And it was strange, been... because... Because we went through Bowie already, yeah. it's like we're fucking numbed out. It's like really, who, who you know, this is it. That's I mean, there's, I, I mean, Madonna's gonna be the next one, and that's about it. <laughs> you calling it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about where the fans are going to just lose oh, yeah. their complete I shit. Yeah. Because they're, she's the up on that level. I think Paul McCartney too. I think when he, yeah. when he oh, because that's the, the that's, that's the official end. And when someone Beatles. from the Rolling Stones, too, like... Yeah, the official end. Oh. <laughs> well, my fa- one of my favorites, did you see the... My favorite meme of the last um, few days? Did you see the quickening one about Keith Richards? Yeah, where he's like, like, let me check the paper to see who I outlive today. Well, there was that one. There's also one, you can look at my Facebook page. They have, um... It says, every single time another uh, rock icon dies, Keith Richards gets the quickening, and it has him with lightning bolts <laughs> oh shooting out God. of his body. <laughs> Seriously. 
It's so yeah. true, though. It's like, I'll, it. I'll just take on your life force. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's probably how he lost it. What kind of world are we going to leave for Cliff Richard? <laughs> Fucking cockroach, man. I'm telling you. He's going to live forever. Did you listen? Uh, did you, Johnny, did you listen to Bowie a lot in the 90s? I, I didn't get into the uh, that industrial stuff. Yeah, or lots. I mean, I didn't at first. I, I, I it's hard for me to get into. I mean, mm-hmm. it certainly was back then. It, nowadays, it's easier. I can at least listen to it nowadays. Uh huh. But back then, I, I wanted nothing to do with it really. I mean, mm-hmm. about the only industrial. You were a punk rocker. Uh, I was a punk rocker back in, in the nineties. So you were in you've been in bands, right? Well, what kind of band? You were you, you were in metal bands or rock bands or punk. Bands, what kind of bands? Uh, punk bands, rock and roll bands, mm-hmm. uh, very raw, uh, rock and roll style, you know, the New York Dolls, uh, biggest artist era, Bowie, had a huge influence on, uh-huh. on my bands that I, I was in. Uh-huh. Give us some names, man, we want to go find the vinyl and, and go, go play it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, think, I, I, I think it's uh, best for everybody. What are his fans? Kimmy, come on, spill. spill no, first. the only one you'll find some, something on is something. Okay, alright. Yeah, cool, that, man. That, was, that was our nice little outfit back in Denver. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up moving to Portland and uh, became a soda pop team. I, I was not asked to join the party. <laughs> kind, of, kind of bummed me out at first, but uh, I, I've grown up and gotten over it since then. Well, my point is, all of us that have gotten into Bowie were rebels. We were rebels when we were growing up, and that's what spoke to us in his music. I got into his music in high school. I, it was funny. This, I, I'm gonna mention, I mentioned him on previous podcast. Rocco, my buddy, he paid me the greatest compliment on calling on one of my podcasts. And I, I, I try not to let it go to my head, but it was just so cool. He's like, dude, he goes, you walked around dressed as these people. You were having the time of your life while all the rest of us were, you know, getting stuck in these groups. The jocks, the this, the that, yeah. the popular people. He's yeah. like, you, he goes, he goes, I said, I wasn't popular. He goes, but people looked at you and they knew who the fuck you were. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Really? And they go, dude, he goes, you walked in a room and they're like, oh, Greg's here. What's he wearing now? Yep. And even if it was something horrible that I just picked up at Silverman, some <laughs> shitty Duran Duran, Miami Vice fucking outfit, they're like, they're like, oh, you're looking good. <laughs> Half of them are like, what a jerk. You know, look at this guy, blah, blah, blah. And there were the people that were like, holy crap, this guy had, this guy was wearing Vans long before Fresh Times of Ridgemont High came out. And it was just like all of us, I could yeah. say for all yeah, of us at the right. table, we didn't want to look like everybody else. We didn't, because we, we didn't feel I like. Still don't. We, we, we still don't. I'm going to be 41. I still don't. We didn't feel like everybody else. So no. I, 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 if I put an eyes on shirt on, I just sat there and looked in the mirror and I'm like, I feel like it's tight on me, like around my neck. Like it's a fucking noose. And I'm like, okay, I got the butt, uh, button open shirt and the Miami Vice jacket. Hey, what the fuck? This is, this is okay. Which was rebellious in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, to, I went to high school in Texas in the 90s. Oh, Lord. And That's rough. It's uh, the suburbs of Houston and Springs. And it was me and my best friend Jimmy. We were the only two punk rockers 
skater slash punk rockers in the, in the whole school. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I remember my first day of high school walking in and some of my classmates asking me, hey, are you a kicker or are you a metalhead? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not either. Right. I, I, what are you talking about? Well, you got to be a kicker or a metalhead here. You look like you're a metalhead. I'm looking at myself, I'm wearing like some Union Bay jeans and a flannel shirt or something, and you know, I had my long hair with a shaved sides at the time, this was like 94. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I already don't like this place. But anyway, yeah, they're, they're really conservative, and it was nothing but jocks and rednecks. Uh, I'm talking rednecks, not, not some of that just dresses like a cowboy. These people are, are living fools. They lived, lived it. it, yes. I'm pretty sure there's a little inbreeding going on in <laughs> some of these bloodlines that went to my school. But yeah, me and my friend Jimmy, and there's there a couple others that hung out with us as well, but him and I were best friends. We lived in the same subdivision, so we, we were inseparable. I got expelled from that school for dyeing my hair purple in the school bathroom. Not expelled, I got suspended for uh-huh. three days for dyeing my hair purple in the school bathroom. That was my junior year, uh-huh. 1995. And uh, nobody else was doing that. Nowadays, you know, a kid walks in and in school and they have purple hair. That's normal. Right. But back then, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, oh, just, hell just, no. just trying to express our individuality, which they really yeah. looked, looked down on back then. And they, they still do, honestly. But, I mean, you can trace that back to David Bowie. He was one of the first to kind of lead that whole revolution, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I believe uh, Sid Vicious, he... He was big, though. He loved David Bowie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a picture of Sid Vicious at a Bowie concert. Yeah, Sid Vicious. He had shaved his eyebrows, and he had his big stardust hair, and he was wearing a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, before before punk rock hit, of course, it was all glam, you know, New York Dolls and and Bowie. Uh Uh-huh. But they were all precursors. Bowie and a T-Rex, and it was precursor, of course. They inspired. But, yeah. Iggy Pop, duh. Yeah. Iggy, of course. But oh, yeah, so vicious. Was so good to see Iggy out right now. Are you guys going? He, he just had a birthday. Yeah, no, he's playing the Greek, right? Yeah, and playing the Greek with Jazz Home and their whole oh, album they did together. And it's, it's a good album, actually. Yeah, aren't they playing the whole new album uh-huh. on the Iggy tour? Yeah, but they're they're they're. they're but he's been peppering in his stuff. I mean, oh, he's he's got the, the way well, the way he's been talking about it is that he's kind of done with touring. So I'm like, he's on my bucket list for. Shows. He is for I, me. I need to see I'm him. so jealous. A friend of mine, Lauren, uh, that I worked with at Variety, she got to see Iggy and the Stooges at Coachella back in the day. I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> back when Coachella was fun. Yeah. Back before. <laughs> Became a fun kid wearing flower rave wasteland that it's become. That's a fucking joke. And people that actually enjoy Coachella are a fucking joke as well. I'm with you on that one. That's a public service announcement from Rice Sector Visits. Coachella sucks and it's going to continue to suck. Thank you, Golden Boys. <laughs> Thank you, Golden Boys. Thank you, Golden Boys, for fucking up the Roxy. And for... Yeah. Oh, seriously did, man. Don't get me even started on that place. Let, let, let's gut out the bands that we used to yeah, used to show up there and let's book... If I had to go one more afternoon where I'm like... I'm, I'm showing somebody from out of town, the Rainbow, and there's a lineup of kids, teenagers. They, they like had like Shepherd. 
play there at the fucking Roxy. Oh my God. I'm like, why are you insulting this venue? It's a historical venue. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, they shut down On The Rock. I saw a lot of good local bands up in On The Rock. God, when I... One of my one of my best nights was with my buddy Neil. He'd come up from San Diego, and it was on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, here, here's a day for you. He ended up on the Man Show, the old Man Show on Comedy Central. He he was actually a contestant, spun the wheel of destiny, had his jeans thrown into a wood chipper. Oh my God! His, his wife's gonna love this story if he ever hears it. He remembers. She, we've told it to her. So we do, it's St. Patrick's Day, and this is like 2000, 2001. We do that, and then he wanted to see the rainbow. So we go to the rainbow. Cypress Hill's hanging out on the, in, in, uh, as usual. Oh, yeah, B-Rill's there all the time. C.C. De, C. C. DeVille's there. Fucking um, Lemmy's there. It was, it was the whole show. Another one, rest in peace, Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that was... That was the time. It was just great. And I remember Cece going, oh, I'm going to go over down the rocks. You guys want to come to this? Me and my buddy Neil were like, yeah, sure, okay, fuck yeah. So we're sitting there with Cece DeVille. He's plowed off his ass. We're plowed off our ass. Oh, my God. It was it was, it was like somebody like NSC would come along and like, well, we're down the rabbit hole now. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll wake up tomorrow. <laughs> maybe we won't. <laughs> we'll but, make but, up, wake up somewhere very strange. But I died trying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Your life's great. He tried. <laughs> he tried really hard. <laughs> At least he, there was another time. That the other, the other funny story I have from the Rainbow is uh, with Neil is um, we were hanging out at Red Rock that used to be down the block. Oh, I love that place. Red Rock, I miss that place so much. It was a great place. So we we'd start at Rainbow. We'd get our drink tickets. We'd get a few on there in the downstairs bar. Head over to Red Rock, get our drink on there, and people watch. Yeah. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere. He, he used to call me Variety Greg back then because Neil didn't give a fuck. He met all these, he'd run into people and not know who they were. And then come to me, do you know who this fucker is? You work for Variety, you're Mr. Hotshot, reporter guy. So he goes, hey, this is, I forget his exact name. It was, it was a guy that was, um, it was a, uh, with the Moody Blues. Oh, okay. He's like, I'm a guitarist with the Moody Blues, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he goes, hey, I'm getting up a collection for some party goodies, man, so we can go over to the Rainbow. So my buddy Neil doesn't tell me he, those were his exact words. He goes, dude, just, we got to stop the ATM. You got to get me 20 bucks. <laughs> okay. So we stopped the little you know, old liquor store there on the way down. You know that. You know that place. Oh, yeah. I, I, bought, I bought so much beer and, and late night drunk porno yeah. masks for that place. <laughs> yep. So we stop in there. I go, what, what, what is this for? He goes, he's trying to get a party together at the Sofitel. Okay. He doesn't tell me party goodies. He just says he's trying to get a party together. So all of a sudden, we're... So we get... You get back to the rainbow, and I'll, I had never been up to the crow's nest before. Oh, the, 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 the Hollywood vampires. Right. I'm, I had no, you only got to do two things, to fuck and do blow. Right. Well, I had only accidentally done blow once when I was young, and pop makes me go to sleep, so alcohol is my vice of choice. So, all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden, 
we're being led up. We go up to the. We went up to the top floor, and we're being led up the stairs to the crow's nest. And I'm like, oh shit! I go, Neil, what's going on here, man? And he's like, he said he. He goes, party goodies, man. We're gonna go. You don't. You work for American Airlines, dude. You get drug tests. I go. You don't do blow. I go. You know what we're going up here for, right? And he's like, what? I go. You. I said, well, I'm going because there's so much history up here. So I'm sitting there, and there's him and, like, five other guys, and they keep offering us. I'm like, I'm good. I'm fucking really good. But they're like, see this this line here? This is where Janice Joplin used to do blow. And over there, there's Steven Tyler's area. And he used to, like, to sit over there, and we're getting, like, this Coke tour of, <laughs> of the rainbow. <laughs> like, Neil, next time you need to tell me the exact sentence that somebody says. Well, along the lines of, you know, David Bowie got his ass kicked in that one here. Exactly. That's, I was waiting for you to... <laughs> some, some crazy... I don't even know if he was your fan or if he was a regular or whatever. He was like a, a karate. A guy was in the karate or something, and uh-huh. he was just hanging up there, and he just, like, lost his marbles. And Mr. Miyagi beat up. Went after, went after David Foley. He, like, knocked him out. I'm like, David Foley was probably barely 100 pounds at that point. Oh, God, he was so was, frail. Like, 73, 74. Yeah, he was, he was really messed up back then. Oh. I think it was during his coaching. Oh, the Hollywood. Did he even remember that happening, honestly? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. The Hollywood, yeah, well, yeah, for people that don't know, I mean, yeah, he went, that was the late 70s, right? Late 70s when he was really... Late 70s, he was really... Yeah, before he went to Berlin to, to, clean, to clean out and record with Brian Eno and get experimental, he got lured in like everybody else does to L.A. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he like... He was, like, seeing witches, and he thought there was, like... Satanic things happening. And oh yeah, wouldn't he piss in milk jugs or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he didn't want them to get to keep the to keep the spirits away. Or yeah, something. he was yeah. weird stuff. And he was drinking the milk, and eating the peppers. Drugs will do that to you, man. He got really. Really bad. And we were we remember we were watching the they were showing outtakes from young, the young American sessions and yeah. he was so Oh he's emaciated. Close out yeah. like rubbing his nose. He's yeah. he's trying to write songs, he's trying to like cause they the uh, the background singers like Ava Cherry mm-hmm. and like Luther well Luther Vanderbilt has passed as well, but yeah. the, the miscellaneous background singers they talked to for their session, they were like it was impossible to keep up with what he wanted them to do because he was so like pushed out yeah. and those they said I forget what song it was it wasn't Young Americans it was another song on that album though mm-hmm. but he had very complex layered vocals for a particular song and he was like writing it out and he's like you can see his, his, his eyes are like this and he's like this and like writing out but he's like pulling him he's like you I want you to come in on this one and he's like all over the place and they were like it was one of the most frustrating complex things <laughs> yeah because he was so out of his mind on drugs but it I mean that album was amazing I mean oh, it's it, that was a huge departure because he was so obsessed with American soul music mm-hmm. you know that that's that entire album, yeah. You know, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> artists, artists that he he reinvented himself over and over again, just like Prince. You know, if you reinvent yourself, you find a new type of music, and you just get. I mean, when I was listening to Lodger, it, it has this. I, I, when I, I three days after he died, and I had come down to the Hollywood Star here on the Walk of Fame for the third time, yeah. and that's when I'm like, I'm like. 
I haven't listened to Lodger probably since fucking, you know, in 10 years. I'm going to put this on. Because I'm not familiar with it fully. Anything else, I'm going to fucking be crying walking down yeah. Hollywood Boulevard. So I put it on, and I was just, like, taken into this. I'm like, he's taking you on this fucking journey that he was, like, he went to the islands, and he had this experience, and a fucking knife fight, and all this shit, and you could just see his brain working and hearing it in the lyrics of the song. He was just telling you this whole adventure he'd had probably for the last two, three years. Because of the artist he was, you know, you get to go do that well, that's, and that's explore. And he would, but the thing is, most artists, a lot of artists, go do the jet setting and then don't write about it. Right. No, you knew everything, and that's why, like, freaking Blackstar is. Well, yeah. Let's get into that. I mean, <laughs> Holy how, Christ. how innovative and how smart. Because an artist has to be to basically write their own epitaph. Yeah, he wrote his eulogy. Yeah, he did. He wrote his own. He knew it. Epitaph. That yeah. clever, cheeky bastard. I mean, he was. He knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing was—not even funny, but um, I remember the vi- they released a video for Black yes. Song Black Star, like two weeks before he died, and I was just like, "Oh, cool!" Well, it was. His, it was. It was. It's his birthday. birthday. He's sixty-nine. Yeah. Right. I did the same thing. I get it, and I had a friend that liked Bowie in the office, and I forwarded it to her, and I said, I said, hey, check out this video. I go, this is like Major Tom dying up yeah. on the moon. I go, this is some creepy, it dark is. It it is. shit. I go, I go, what the, I go, and it's all about Mortalio. I go, what the fuck is he doing? Right, and little did we know. And then the, the thing Nobody is, like, knew at the time. And right. then, of course, was sick. So I, yeah. I, watched, I had watched that video, and I was like, this is, I was like, this is, I was so enthralled by it. I was like, this is beautiful and weird and creepy, and it's so totally bony. You know, I mm-hmm. love it. And then on his birthday, the day that Blockstar came out, and they released the video for Lazarus. Uh-huh. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is almost kind of a goth song. I'm like, this is really kind of mm-hmm. dark. And, and and deep, you know, and then two days later he died, yep. and it came out Blackstar was just goodbye, and I couldn't, I didn't listen to Lazarus again for over a week, and then I, the last, the next time I listened to it, I just cried because I knew all about it, and he became Johnny became like obsessed because people were picking apart the whole I album, was, like all on, the hidden meaning in, yeah. in the album. I was looking on Reddit at all these different uh, there's there's one particular um, Reddit account that was just posting creepy, eerie, like, really dark images that were, like, right in line with the whole Black Star album that David Bowie had, had released. And, um, and the images came from the, Bowie's camp. Yeah, yeah the, like, the images the were, were just were just really creepy, and there's just you know all these subtleties you had to look for, like like one of the pictures was like a lightning bolt for the you know the Latin saint bolt, uh-huh. and uh, there's another one where um, I mean it's just like it's just so creepy that the fact that the last entry or the last uh, post from that Reddit user was back in like shortly before his death, I believe, and so you know you kind of put two and two together, and you have everybody on the internet going crazy over it after his death, of course, and it was just, it was kind of creeping me out a little bit, just looking at these pictures mm-hmm. and how dark, and it's like, you know, it's like, it goes along the, a lot of the, the images are, like,
like I said, aligned with the just the song, the lyrics of Black Star. You know, like yeah. life is solitary candle, and uh -huh. as you know, there's a picture of just a single candle of like, like this gothic candle holder in black and white. It's mm -hmm. a little creepy. Here. Well, he had all he he obviously wanted all this imagery. The director, you guys read the interview with the director of the video, who you know had was sworn to stop you know secrecy. Yeah for a whole year while they were cooking this whole album up and this whole thing up. And it's just crazy the fact that you you would go into that much intricate planning to like prepare your fans and to say your last statement to the world. I just think that just shows how much he appreciated it. Yes. Band. Oh, totally. You know, like he's like I he's, I want to say goodbye to everybody and yeah. I want to do it my way. Yeah. You know, I don't want some some generic <laughs> statement. Or yeah. I want to do it my way. Yeah. And man, he even death was on his turn. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I I can't that that album is so hard to. Listen to because you know what it is. Once I can't you, listen once to Once you it. found out what it was, yeah. it's, it's, it's so, so hard mm -hmm. to listen to. Like, the, the, the first time I listened to Lazarus, when I decided I was like, okay, I think I can listen to this again, I, I cried the whole yeah. entire time. I'm like ready to cry right now. Like, yeah. I, just, I listened to it once right after, got it out of my system, and I'm like, I, I don't need to do this again for a while. Yeah. And then we get prints on top of us. <laughs> and actually, I was like, I was like, you know, we're still recovering from Bowie. God damn you, yeah. Well, yeah, TMZ is picking at uh, the, the ashes of poor Prince. Yeah, he's already you know. been cremated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, that was the good thing about Bowie was he got to go out on his own turn. Yeah, and he was sick. Nobody knew about it or anything. That's what makes it hard. Yeah, exactly. It's like nobody, but he, you know, he was always a very private person. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, he didn't. People don't need to see you dying from cancer. Who wants to mm -hmm. see that? You the know, thing is, they, they, they took that, that. They, they, they took that picture on his birthday. Yeah, the one of him in the hat. Yeah, yeah. looking dapper as hell, like usual. He was standing in the camera, smiling. Yeah, like, I got that. Perfect teeth, smiling, yeah. that, that bowie smile. His perfect veneers, you mean? Perfect veneers, yeah. <laughs> perfect veneers. It's taking a look so good every, in the 70s. Every, everybody knows those from the 80s videos. Oh, yeah. And the happier time when yeah. you'd sit there and watch, you know, China Girl, and you'd watch... My, my, so let's, let's get down to favorite songs. Let's get out of the muck and the mire know, here and get happy. Up. I mean, you, you mentioned Modern Love. That's probably... Uh, easily my one of my top five favorites. I still have the forty. My I still have the forty-five record. I can, I can, I can. I, 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 I think the grooves are worn out. Yeah. Just played the living shit out of that. And it was, you know, when I, because I got into them when I did, I went back and got into the Ziggy Stardust era. I mean, Changes will always be one of my favorites as well. Um, let's throw stuff out there, guys. My, my favorite is Suffragist City. Really? Okay. Yeah, my, and that's like my best girlfriends and I. That's like kind of like our one of our favorite songs that we always would dance together and everything. So that one's, that one's one of my favorites. And anymore, I, I can't get enough of Life on Mars. Like, I can't stop listening yeah, to that. Yeah, that, that one, I've, I've really, really just really that song. I can't so get enough of that. And then I, I, there's so many, though. Like, I, I love Boy Keeps 
swinging. Like that's one of my. I was just listening to that on Rogers. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love fashion. 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 Yeah. My favorite start. Moon Age Daydream right now is probably my favorite. Uh, I'm with you though with the modern love. I mean that's just always yeah. been forever mm-hmm. before I even knew Ziggy Stardust. You know just the, yeah. the, the Bowie on MTV before I was yeah. wise enough to listen to my own music. Watching him smiling, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, dancing, working the mic, serious moonlight, thin white dude. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. It's great. It's such it's so good. Yeah. You know every time I hear it on if I'm driving down the street I hear it on the radio I just. Hi, I'm dancing in the car, I'm oh, yeah. shouting, people are looking at me funny. I don't care though. And, and given my my goth diet or whatever you want to call it, like I rediscovered like the nineties era stuff and I forgot how much I loved a lot of like art study lessons. Like oh, yeah. that whole like that video mm-hmm. is so it's so perfectly nineties. It's yeah. Samuel Bayer, like it's so nineties, but he just oh my god, he owns it in that video. He's yeah. so just that style and the way he carried himself and the way he interacted with the camera and that song is so dirty and yeah. dark and I just I love it. Well, yeah, it was it was after he died. I I, I started exploring other albums, and I I'm, I'm like outside. I go, I haven't listened to this thing in probably and that's two a years. Super concept album. Holy right. I listened to that thing from beginning to end, walking around my at, I'm lunch hour and got back late because I'm like I gotta listen to this whole fucking thing. Yeah. I go, yeah. are you still in this full on insane story? And I'm just like, he's like the king of the concept album. Yeah. I mean, you think about like all of them. Ziggy Stardust was the concept. Yeah. Aladdin Sane was the concept. Diamond Dogs was the concept. The Berlin era was on the top concept album. He would, album. he would take, he would, he would take on a persona and say, I'm gonna embrace this, and he'd go 120 percent and get the look down, and it was, he was a true performance artist. He really was. Well, that's where he started. You know, he yeah. was a mime and yeah. actor, like, and he. The whole cracked, air, cracked actor yeah. persona. Yeah. Got a great song. He, he, brought, he brought all of that into his performances. Mm-hmm. That's what made him so amazing to watch. Yeah, what, let's get his his live shows. If you look back at his live shows, you know, back in the day. I mean, unfortunately, I saw him on what a lot of people, some people liked it. The only other time I saw him live, the first time I saw Bowie live was out in Rosemont, Illinois, outside of Chicago for the Glass Spider tour. <laughs> and I was like, because it was when I could finally afford a ticket to go mm-hmm. and not, you know, be driven to the fucking concerts. I'm like, this, this is great. We're all going. We're all going. And we were just like, we were like, it was good. And it was, uh, you know, Tony Basil choreographed the whole thing. That's kind of like a place, to me, that's like a placeholder tour. Yeah. Like, was that during the Tonight era? Like, yes. It was right after tonight. It was it was the Never Let Me Down album, which was not a great album. And so uh, I always sat there, and I was I was so glad to see him open up for Moby because I was like, I got chipped. I love you, Bowie. I love you with all my heart. But we sat through that concert, and we all got to the end, and we're like, All right, fuck, you know. Yeah. Okay, we get you. You're in with the big wings on the top of the big glass spider, oh, and you got the you, you got the whole fucking. It, it, it was it was one of his. Sometimes the conceptualization worked, and sometimes it ended up being like some off Broadway trying too hard. And yeah, David, I love you, but yeah. last spider, I was like, <laughs> that, I still I, 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 I still have the, the 
program, I'm like, this is so, this looks so great from the program, but when you sat through it, you're like, please play some old shit, please, please. Okay, he's playing changes. No, he 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 sticks stuff in. You're like, oh thank Christ, oh thank Christ, oh thank Christ. You're gonna dip something in. <laughs> Once he got beyond the whole fight, last fighter. So in concert, he'd kick on these whole, you know, concepts. Fact after all that. The other way that this generation got introduced to him was Labyrinth. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Let's talk about his movies for oh, a little bit. I mean, Labyrinth. I, every everybody I talk to. That's you know, and they're tw- they're like labyrinth, labyrinth. That's how I know David Bowie. I know him as the Goblin King. Another persona he fully embraced. Yeah. Oh, took yeah. on him and Jim Henson worked this out, and he was two of my favorites there, Jim Henson. <laughs> and got the Goblin King. I mean, so tell, 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 tell me about your love of labyrinth, guys. Oh, now that movie came out in in the mid '80s, and that was a time. Yeah, when that movie was released. And, you know, I was I loved the Dark Crystal. I, yeah, I was loving the Muppets and uh, uh-huh. Fraggle Rock at the time, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was how old was I? I was like six or seven. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, And it was it was amazing. It, 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 it was always a favorite growing up. I'll never forget him walking up and down those Escher steps. It was great. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's the classic, you know, for us children of kids that grew up in the 80s. Uh, uh-huh. It's always going to hold a special place in our heart. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's only one goblet key. And I, I keep hearing all this nonsense about they're going to remake the labyrinth. And no. No. Just stop that nonsense. Yeah. There's no way you can do that. Yeah. It, 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 it won't hold up. The labyrinth still holds yeah. up to this day. And I know. So labyrinth. Labyrinth. It was interesting, though, being, you know, you know, hardcore David Bowie fans and used him, you know, with his rock stuff and his glam stuff. And he takes on this children's movie and we get dance, magic dance. Yeah. And all of these playful songs. <laughs> Yeah, he, and, had a, he had a different humor about him. Oh, he, the, that was the whole thing, when he, he embraced the entire concept. And, I mean, it's so huge in pop culture now. It really is. That image. It really is. Like, yeah. it didn't, it wasn't... It so kind of bombed at the box office. Oh, it, it, oh it, it's left in two weeks. I went to see it with my folks, and I remember my dad hated it. He was like, oh, there's all this... My dad was never into the fantastical stuff. He was like, oh, yeah, it was, he, my dad was into Imagine and stuff, but it was a little bit too 80s beyond. Yeah, so it was after. after my, da- my, my, dad enjoyed, my dad enjoyed Sword and the Sorcerer and Excalibur, did not get into Labyrinth. A little bit too, uh, say, for my dad, let's <laughs> just say. My, my dad, the man's man from Dubuque, Iowa, who was wearing um, uh, plaid long before Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Were you a big fan of Labyrinth? Um, not as a kid, like, it didn't really, like, grab my attention, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't, like, obsessed, obsessed with it. You know, I wasn't either. You know, I, like, I discovered I it, like, later on, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was, of course, like, oh, it's Bowie, like, it's fantastic. That's why I felt like I was forced to get into it, and right. all these people are going to listen to this and go, blasphemy, blasphemy, blasphemy. Oh, no, but I love it. I mean, it's, it's an iconic character. It's yeah, it was part fun, of his but persona. I, at the time, at my, I, I'm, we're in agreement. At that age, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think I was old enough to appreciate it. Right. Like I didn't. I like barely knew who he was. Yeah. Know, at that point, like I said, I knew Let's Dance at that age. You know, I was right. ten when the, like mm-hmm. that came out. But, um, 
I, you know, discovered as an actor later on as well. Like, mm-hmm. like, like late teens, you know, I, of course, in my, again, to the goth era, I had to get The Hunger. The Hunger is the know? finest film he will ever do. Like, The Hunger, of course. I love The Hunger. You know, and, you know, Bell Howells were in the opening scene, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. It was about vampires and all that, so, of course, I had to get into it, you know, and he did a great job in Basquiat playing Andy Warhol. Yeah. Fantastic. Like, more of his later, like, films, you know, and then, mm-hmm. like, in The Illusionist, he played Tesla and yeah. the Zoolander. Uh, oh, come on. I, I was just going to say, my favorite movie was Zoolander. <laughs> uh-huh. That's great. I mean, everybody loves Zoolander. Yeah. But, I mean, he's the, he's everybody, he's, he's everybody the guy that has gets, to come out and judge, man. He kind of gets yeah. forgotten there in the whole uh, scheme of things of, of Zoolander and making fun of now models uh, with, you know, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller, and they're doing fantastic in, in those roles. Everybody kind of, you know, forgets about David Bowie, how he just comes out of nowhere to, to judge this walk-off between these two uh-huh. ridiculous, goofy, super uh-huh. male supermodels. And, uh, yeah, it's just such a great movie. Oh, but Bowie was a fashion icon. Yeah, exactly. And he was married to a supermodel. That's why yeah. he was qualified to, to judge yeah. the walk-off. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you get together with Iman. I mean, you can't get any higher than that. They were the epitome of class and yes. style. And they had such a true, deep love for each other. Mm-hmm. Like every, I, every picture I have seen of them together, mm-hmm. he is smiling ear to ear. Looks mm-hmm. like he's never been happier in his life. Just absolutely adored and loved her so much. And they were married, how long? 25 years yeah. they were married. I mean, and he, he just, and you see that there's pictures of like his life before her in every picture after. Mm-hmm. He's just beaming in every single picture, and they, they had such a love, and it's just it's something you never, you don't see very often anymore. No. You know, and, you know, he saw a picture of her in a magazine and said to his manager, whoever it was, I want to meet her. Uh-huh. And I remember, the, it was like, the hair, they shared a hairdresser or a makeup artist or something like that, and he, the, the artist, makeup artist, I think it was a hairdresser, because he just passed away not that long ago either, and mm-hmm. Simone had posted a tribute to him on her Instagram. And he, you know, Bowie was like, I want to meet her. And he's like, oh, I happen to know her. And she, he had gone to her and said, um, are you seeing anybody right now? Are you interested in being set up with anybody? And she said, well, it depends on who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, obviously. It's not to be David and, Bowie. Exactly, in the rest of history. And they, they really had a, mm-hmm. a love story for the ages, I think. Definitely. You know, they were like the couple, you're just like, oh, they're just so classy and stylish. And, you know, and they kept that privacy all those years. You know, they stayed in their neighborhood in New York, and they had their daughter, and yeah. they just they just lived their lives, and you know, it was really to admire really really much. Let me segue that back a little bit as love affair. I mean, yeah, he had as many love affairs before then, and backing up to the hunger, and this being my pompous podcast. Um, the Hunger was amazing. It was a huge part of my youth. And my first girlfriend, Jen, who ended up being part of the Prince podcast, basically we would watch The Hunger and Purple Rain on a loop. Wow. I think we've seen each of them probably in our lives hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Of, but back then it was, what are we going to watch, The Hunger, or are we going to watch Purple Rain? Oh, okay, we're going to watch The Hunger tonight. Okay. That, that's how it was because we just saw it. We saw this movie at the well. We see we seen them both at the theater, and it was just like David Bowie is a fucking vampire. Are you kidding me? This is like the best. 
And then you have the whole Catherine Deneuve, uh, Susan Sarandon, I mean, Roger Ebert, God rest your soul, I love you, best film critic ever. He, he insulted this movie on me, and it always pissed me off. He always said, yeah, Tony Scott tried very hard with The Hunger, but it's really just one sex scene. It's a movie surrounded by one good sex scene. A crappy movie surrounding a great sex scene. And I'm like, that's not fucking true. I, I, no, I totally disagree, Roger. I don't think he was able to... Get, I think at the time, uh, he just wasn't able to get into it. And we were young when we saw it. I mean, I was in, I was in my, you know, form, you know... The impressionable years, yeah. the 16, 17, you know, oh, yeah. and you know, seeing Catherine Deneuve get it on with Susan Sarandon, <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time oh, yeah, turned yeah. out to be bi, and it was just like all this shit going around wow. in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was an interesting, interesting, fun time, and uh, so you know, you learn about androgyny then, and you. Learn, learn, learn about all that stuff, and I mean, Bowie was educational to me. Prince was educational to me and to a lot of people in helping them, you know, find their sexual identity, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, for men, for women, or both, or otherwise. Um, yeah. Like I said, and I always... It showed you not to be afraid to express your sexuality. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, Madonna did the same way with females, you know. It's, it's kind of a female empowerment thing there. But, you know, with, with Prince and Bowie, it's like, who says men can't be sexy? Right. We're, just, you know, just embrace your feminine side and throw on a little makeup. Be exactly. different. Like, be you don't, weird. You don't have to be, like, society's definition of masculine. And mm-hmm. macho, you can be, and man, we're girls, dug that, then... Chris mm-hmm. was about three foot, five inches tall. <laughs> yep. That guy was about yep. the sexiest man on the planet. Guys, we were taught how to be. You could be macho and sexy yeah. and embrace your feminine side at the same time. Mm-hmm. It has to do with... You know, I'm comfortable in wearing this, and this is what makes me feel happy and and able to express myself. And that that's how it should be with everybody. You just gotta do your own thing, man. Yeah. Like, I, I was asking her before we came out. She says, Does this look stupid? These these socks with these pants, or whatever. She's like, What have you ever cared? I'm like, Yeah, you're right. I my favorite thing about you is you're you rocking the Captain Captain and Janiel hat. <laughs> oh, I got to. It's man. still the greatest thing. When, when I saw you wear that out the first time, Johnny, I go. Captain of Captain Tennille, are you fucking kidding me? Are you are you a good Tennille? <laughs> I guess. I guess. Love will keep us together. Muskrat love. Muskrat love. What did you say? I look like I look like. Uh, you look like Thurston Howell from Thurston Gilligan's Howell. Island. Thurston Yeah. Are you gonna start calling me Lovey? Lovey. No. Can you build a radio out of coconut? I, I can't do that actually. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. That is one of my my skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that was Bowie's whole attitude, like I was saying earlier. He, when he took on a persona, he, he hit it home the whole way. And he owned this whole Lazarus Black Star thing and was like, you know what? This is, this is the, this is, I'm owning it until the final gasp. I'm owning this damn thing and I'm recording and I'm, I'm going to cut songs about it. And it's a, to him, you know, it was project after project after project. That's what true artists do. I mean, he looked at it the way all art, like Prince did, like all true artists do. 
it, it's it's a blessing that that's what you get to do as yeah. your gig. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the rest of us work nine to fives and get to be creative in our own way, but he got he got to yeah. do it, and he didn't. You know, when when he got past the drugs and got to a level where he found serenity with Iman, it was like, okay, you know what? Each album, each album's a project. Let's take this on. You know, the, there was word he was going to work with e- Eno. Even say he goes, he goes, he goes. We had we had emails. You know, yeah, five months right. a, five months ago saying, okay, here's my ideas for the new album yeah, that right. you and I are going to cut. Right. He just was like, that was it. It was a continuing process in his mind. You can't let it get you. I mean, mm-hmm. you know it's coming, but you can't mm-hmm. resign yourself to, yeah. to the fact that it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know what? I have a short time left. Let me make the most of my time. And that's yeah. what he did. He's like, you know, let me keep doing what yeah. I love and what I'm good at. And let me, mm-hmm. you know, say goodbye the only way I know how. Yeah. You know, and that's what he did. Well, let's end on that note. Let's. <laughs> send, let's send our, our condolences, you know, out to all of our, all the fans just like us. And you know, uh, you know, David, it was a good ride, man. You know, Ziggy, it was a good ride. And any well, final word, star man, baby. That's right. He, he, we, well, we we all know he honestly wasn't of this earth and no. just went back to the mothership, back exactly. up to the back up to the planet. And, exactly. uh, did, did another planet appear shortly after his death? Uh, yeah, with a star. Yeah, something appeared in our solar system uh, shortly afterwards. Yeah. So, so yeah, his I don't need to damn science books. <laughs> no, no, he he definitely went back to the ether where uh, the, the positive, wonderful, colorful energy that he came from and that he now belongs in. So thank you for listening to Rice Picker Visits. Again, that's R-E-I-S-S-T-E-C-K dot com, uh, ricepickervisits.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.